We do not claim any rights to any audio clips taken from other media used in our podcast. These belong to the studios and creators that made the characters and stories portrayed in the clip, and we have only used these clips for entertainment and reference purposes. I have DVD in my bunch of grunts. I've been struggling with the package in the box. <laughs> you haven't even got your box open yet? No! Does mommy need to help you? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I was joking. <laughs> Hey there, everyone. This is Rebecca. I'm the mom. And I'm her daughter, Hannibal. All right. This week's episode of Back to the Peach Pit. Yes. We are going to be talking about season two, episode 10, Necessity is a Mother. Mm-hmm. Yes. This was a fun one. This was a fun one. It was yeah. definitely a lot... I mean, it had serious moments, but it's still lighter than last week's episode. It was much lighter than last week's episode. Today's Play-Doh color is white. Yes. Um, it's it's very it looks soft like and squishy. A, oh, it looks like a stiff one for some reason. It looks like your hands are having a hard time working that Play-Doh. No, it's actually really soft. Nice. Yeah. I've just already been playing with it for a little while. Yeah, you have. Yeah. So, Hannibal has been here for a while already today. <laughs> I we had a... some Hulu issues. Yeah. So, fortunately, I yeah. got the DVDs for my birthday. Thank yes. you, Hannibal. So, I popped over to Mom's house on my lunch break, and we watched the episode because I couldn't watch it on Hulu. Mm-mm. And so I popped over, watched it, and then went back to work. And then I got off work a half an hour early. So Which kind of surprised me because I was trying to do p- clips and stuff. Yeah. And trying to pull clips when I'm playing from the DVDs, not from Hulu, is actually much more difficult. Yeah. We made it work. Yes. But it's I was just there to wrangle the dogs. Yes. So <laughs> that way you guys didn't hear... Or... In the background... Oh my goodness, they're so obnoxious. Oh my goodness. Any chance they have to shake their jingly collars, they do. I swear, they wait knowing mom's doing something. Oh, I should make noise! Ooh. Oh, they're horrible. I should remind her I'm here. Right. Oh, there's bad uh, as toddlers. But yes, we've figured it out. We chatted about life for an additional hour after yeah. that. And so now we're here. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> Yeah, Hannah's got a lot to talk about lately because she's at the end of the school year of her first yes. year teaching. And even just as the assistant teacher, it's exhausting end of the school year. Uh-huh. Tomorrow we have a field trip. Today we had a class party. And then I have, like, exactly one little three-day weekend, and then it's summer program. So, Woohoo! And I'm one of the lead camp counselors, so it's going to be a bit of a hectic summer. So... It'll be a blast. Oh, lucky you. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's so much fun. I'm glad. (laughs) I love getting to hang out with five and six-year-olds all day. I'm glad. (laughs) So happy for you. (laughs) So this episode was written by Steve Wasserman. He wrote another episode not long ago that we both loved. Yes. What was that one? I got to flip back to my nose. Oh, pardon me. Oh, Wildfire. Yes. He wrote Wildfire. Okay. Gotcha. Did he write any others this season? That was Karen. I skipped some pages because I remember I messed up. I remember now. I don't remember. But at least Wildfire. Yeah. I mean, part of the page flipping there, guys. Wildfire is really good. I like this guy's writing style. I really do, too. I feel like he's got a great grasp of the characters, and he did a great job of picking up on the various journeys that they were all on. For sure. And 
taking those character elements and things that they've already experienced in previous episodes yeah. and the things that they learned from those things and built on that. Absolutely. And I think it, they did a great job with that. Hey, you know what, Hannibal? Huh? I feel like I should apologize to you and our listeners real quick. Oh, why? I literally just now remembered that I completely forgot to do the blog and the socials posts and stuff this week oh. for episode nine. Huh. Whoops. You know, guys, I'm really struggling to get back into the groove of life after vacation. You know, sometimes I've that never happens. had that happen before. Sometimes that happens after a really good vacation. You have a hard oh, time yeah. getting back into the swing of things. So we're actually recording on our traditional Wednesday night recording night. Yes. And I'm hoping that this is a sign that I'm getting back to normal. Hopefully. Anywho. Miss Hannibal. Yes. I would love to hear the Back to the Peach Pit description of Necessity is a Mother. All right, here it is. Dylan is having a hard time adjusting to his mother, Iris, being around again and starts turning to vices and different choices in his life that lead him back down a path he doesn't need to walk anymore. Meanwhile, Donna and Steve get involved with investing into the stock market. So as you heard in that, there are two plot lines in this one. Yes, we have two plot lines for once. Right? So our first half of our podcast is going to be about plot line A. That's all the Dylan-related stuff. Yes. And then after our break, we'll come back and we'll talk about the Steve and Donna stuff. Yes, which was a lot of fun. So much fun. So the episode starts off with plot line A in a pool hall. We see Dylan shooting pool. Okay. It kind of... I liked just kind of starting off like that. Yeah, it was because nice. Because it really set the vibe for the entire episode of Dylan's journey here. It really did. Because you could see, even though you didn't see him drinking at this point. It still you had saw that his, vibe. Yeah, that frustration, this like grungy life. And he's just unhappy and dissatisfied. And you could just see it mm -hmm. in, in everything he was doing. So I thought that was a really cool way to do it. Yeah. And then it jumps over to school. The kids are all sitting around talking about parents. I just thought it was a really cute conversation. Dylan, honesty is the key. You just have to tell your mom how you feel and then get it out on the table. Forget that psycho babble, Kelly. It only works for deep-seated emotional crises. Parents are another problem. No, no, you tell her whatever she wants to hear and then do what you want. Parents are oblivious anyway. It's not like we all come from what you call your normal, stable family backgrounds. I mean, look what I've been through with mine. Booze and, and drugs. Households aren't exactly Walsh heaven. Hey, leave our parents out of this. We should all be so lucky. I just can't hang with a 24-hour living mom. You get used to it, pal. I don't think so. All right, before we discuss that clip, I want to apologize real quick. If you hear a buzzing sound, having to switch and pull our clips off of DVDs instead of off of Hulu. The mics don't pick it up the same way, and so there's often a little bit of a fuzz. I'm going to do my best to edit out that buzz and post, but if I can't get it, sorry apologies. in advance. Dearest apologies, Yes, listeners. for sure, for sure. But I loved that little conversation of all of them kind of talking about... Like, we don't, we can't all have the Walshes. Right. And like, and like hey now, it. don't talk about my parents like that. Don't bring my like, parents into this. So cute. Uh, but it, it was that acknowledgement that like, the Walshes are a stable home environment. Which They're the rest unusual of these kids, for the rest of these kids. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. A little bit unusual. So at the end of that, when they're sitting around that tree, one of their favorite trees, they always seem to sit around. Their little spot. 
Dylan gets really distracted as he and Brenda are walking off back to the car. He's not really hearing anything she's saying. She's talking about, maybe I should dye my hair blonde again. And maybe I should go bald. And he's just like, what, huh? Totally oblivious to what she's saying. He's, he's in another world at the moment. So then they get into his car and he's driving her home. And that's when last week's teaser clip happened. Yes, they drive up and see his mom's car in the driveway. Eesh. And he's already not about it. Right. I think he really enjoyed having the Walshes as his family separate from her. Yeah. He didn't want them to mix. No, he didn't want them to mix. And he also has been, I mean, he even in that clip kind of says that he doesn't really like having his mom around all the time. Yeah, he's not used to that. No, he's used to kind of being on his own and he goes and visits people. Yeah. Essentially. So then as we go into the Walsh house, we see Iris McKay. She's rubbing her hands together and then holds them out. And you can feel the earth pulsate. My eyes rolled so hard when I heard her say that. That's your own pulse. Like, okay, anybody, you rub your hands together... That friction is going to cause the blood in your hands to, you can feel it moving. That's not the earth pulsating iris. That's human body. Yeah, that's just you, baby girl. That's not anybody, that's not the earth. Oh, goodness. That's just you. But that really told us a lot about her very quickly. Yeah, and I mean, when Dylan is getting out of the car, he's saying, she's either looking for me or she's in there reading your mom's palm. Yeah. And... Then they walk into her and Cindy rubbing their hands together. And we come to find out that Cindy was also a bit of a hippie yeah, back in the day. She, she was kind of on the outlying areas of the hippie world. Yeah. I don't think she was as hardcore of a hippie as Iris. But she's willing to be open to it for the sake yeah. of friendship. Jim, I don't think he was ever into the hippie life. No, I don't think so. No, 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 no. no. We learned this very quickly about him. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I relate to Jim way too much in this episode, oh, I think. Oh, my goodness. But I do quite like Iris upon first meeting her. She I seems do. weird, but very nice. You can tell she loves Dylan. And we learn more throughout the episode why she hasn't been there for him. We learn a lot more about why. But, but it was just interesting seeing that happen. Yeah, it was very fun mm-hmm. to get to know her a little bit. So Cindy invites Iris and Dylan to stay for dinner. Iris is like all about this. Dylan's just like, oh, Ugh. great. And again, I got that feeling like I don't want you in with my people. Meaning like Iris in with his. And the Walshes are his people. Yeah, I mean, they're his family. And he just, I don't know. He made him very uncomfortable. Yeah. So at the Walsh dinner, <laughs> Iris is crazy. <laughs> She's just a little bit new age. Very eccentric. New age. <laughs> She's talking, well, at first she was talking about L.A. in the old days, and I thought that was kind of cool hearing her relate back yeah. to what it was like, you know, 11 years ago or so when she lived there. Right, that's kind of cool. But then she starts talking about she lives in a treehouse on top of a pineapple mountain, and Hawaii is paradise. I'm like, a treehouse on top of a pineapple mountain? This is really where this woman lives? I thought Dylan was joking a few episodes ago when he was talking about how his mom lives in a treehouse. I thought he was just making a joke. No, I didn't think that was a joke even at the time. I was like, that I kind of did. It, the way he had explained his mom up to that point, and even coming to now, um, that doesn't seem like a surprise at all. 
I mean, if I was to move to Hawaii, I would 100% want to live in a treehouse. What are you talking about? You think I want real walls in Hawaii? Uh-uh. If only Give me the our beach. audience could see me giving you this look right now. <laughs> what are you talking about? It'd be so cool to live in a treehouse. So my daughter apparently <laughs> is relating more to Iris McKay. I'm relating more to Jim. When she looks at Jim and says it's a great place to drop your inhibitions, grow a beard, swim naked, the look on Jim's face like... Uh, what? What did you just say to me? I related to Jim so much. I'm just like, yeah, buddy. You I, you back the freakity freak away from her like mm, crazy woman, stay there. I wouldn't say she's crazy. I do think she's a little bit odd. And I definitely think that that kind of comes out in some of the things she says and her personality and stuff. But I, I don't think I would say that she's, like, crazy. Not bad crazy. No, not bad Weird crazy. crazy. Yeah. There is such a thing as weird crazy. Like, she mentions to Brenda about her astrological sign and how your astrological sign didn't say how pretty you were. But she, like, says all these other traits and that's that just kind of who you are. And we all know somebody like that. And there are different levels of that kind of a person. Yes. And I don't think Iris is on full crazy level, but she's just enough that people go, wait, what did you just say? Huh? Okay. <laughs> I'm still going to stick by the fact that I think she's a bit on the crazy side. She's not like evil crazy. She's no. not bad crazy. She's, no. she, but she's kind of crazy. I mean, I am too. I work with children, so. Voluntarily work with five and six year olds. Yes. Happily. I love you. <laughs> Dylan cannot handle his mom anymore. No. At this point at the dinner, he just, that last line when he says it to Jim and he sees a look on Jim's face, he gets up and just leaves the table and just leaves the room. Yeah. And goes well, out front. And also she starts saying something about how this psychic said something about Dylan when he was little. Yeah. He cannot handle uh-uh, this. He leaves. We I don't never blame find him. Out it's very is. strange. We never find out what the psychic Mm-mm. said. But then when he steps outside, Brenda follows him. And she makes the most logical point I think I've ever heard come out of Brenda Walsh's mouth. Yeah. That woman is driving me up a wall, Brent. Helena, I'm sure she's not trying to. She's probably just trying to be a mom. Well, I wish she wouldn't try so hard. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we went on that camping trip? You were complaining that, that she didn't care enough. I mean, which is it, Dylan? Yeah. He was. He was complaining that his mom didn't care enough. Yeah, because she was off doing her own thing and not spending time with him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you have to pick one. Yeah, you, you can't c- have it both ways, buddy. No, you can't have her care and be there all the time, but you then, then not be around all the time. And yeah. she's there too much. And Which is it? Yeah. And I think the problem is, is that even Dylan, I mean, he even says there, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. He's. I think he's just, it's completely and entirely new for him to have a mom around. Yeah. And he does not know how to handle it. Because we learned she left when he was six years old. She left when he was six. He hasn't and, seen her since he was 14. And that was probably basically a visit. Yeah. I mean, he that's got to be tough. He hasn't had a mother figure around since he was six years old. Cindy's been the closest he's had. Yeah, and that's only been very recently. Yeah. Even Cindy mothering him, he tends to kind of get that, like, uh, back he away a little it, bit. He handles it because she doesn't come on too strong as a mom no. figure. And I think that helps. Yeah. But it's... 
She it's has a definitely... lot of practice with Brenda of having to not come on too strong. Oh my goodness, Brenda. <laughs> Brenda, Brenda, Brenda. Oh, Brenda. So after Iris and Dylan leave, the Walshes are all standing around and they're torn. Cindy and Brandon, they actually kind of like her. They think she's kind of cool and different, and but they kind of like her. Yeah. Jim and Brenda are like, mm. she's weird. No. Well, Brenda also has that bias of seeing mm-hmm. Dylan's side of things more often than she really... She's, this is the first time she's met Iris. Yeah. And she's heard all of these horrible things about her from Dylan. Mm-hmm. So she's already got a bit of a bias on... She's she's driving Dylan crazy. That seems yeah. to be the only bad thing that she can say about Iris the entire episode. Yeah. That she's driving Dylan crazy. Yep. That's it. So then we go back to Dylan's place. And... Iris apparently didn't like Brenda. No, she said she had a negative aura. I'm sorry. Brenda was actually quite not Brenda-ish. Yeah, she was very civil, mm-hmm. very polite. Yeah, but she has a negative aura. I'm like, and oh, then, girl. But Dylan then kind of jumps in with Brenda Walsh and my relationship with her is none of your business. Yep. And then he storms out of the house. Yep. And he leaves and goes back to that pool hall again. And he starts to drink. Yeah. He pulls out a fake ID to show the bartender. And he's like, you put that fake ID away. You don't have to keep doing that here. So apparently this pool hall, they know he's underage. They don't care. And they've been serving him Mm -hmm. for at least some level of frequency in the last couple of weeks. Enough to where they know him, first and last name. And they... Don't even want to bother. They know his ID is fake and they just eh, keep it put away. Here's a beer. Do you want a shot with that? Like, what? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I was disappointed in the bartender there. Yeah. I understand Dylan's probably going to do it anyways, but it's like, really? You'd be surprised how many, how much leniency there is on things like that. Depending on the bartender. Yeah, I Yeah, guess. and depending on the specific location. Looking at the vibe of that place, it's a very... Kind of a seedy place. A bit of a seedy place. I mean, yeah. one of the other patrons keep ca- keeps calling Dylan Rich Boy throughout the entire thing. So yeah. he's almost out of his own element yep. at this place. Very true, very true. So the next day in school, Brenda goes into the newsroom freaking out about Dylan ditching school again. And... Brandon and Andrea, they've been sitting there working on the paper and they're trying to put the paper to bed or whatever. Yeah. Brenda comes storming in, interrupting them. She's freaking out. And does that point when she tells Brandon that she thinks Dylan's drinking again? I think she's... Or is that later? I think that's later. At this point, she's saying that this is the third time that he skipped school this Mm -hmm. week. And both Brandon and Andrea don't seem that concerned. They keep saying like... Dylan's got his own thing going on. It's Dylan, whatever. It's Dylan, he'll figure it out. But Brenda kind of expresses that she's like, no, I'm really... I think she says that she suspects. Mm -hmm. And she suspects that he's drinking again. That's what I thought. that's when Brandon kind of takes a little bit more seriously because he remembers what happened at the Mm -hmm. camping trip a few weeks ago. But he doesn't say anything yet. No. So then we see this mind gym that Iris took Cindy to. Yeah. It goes over and shows this place. I had never heard of a mind gym before. No. It looks really weird. It's a little odd. A little bit new agey. Not my thing. No. But to each their own. 
if Iris wants to go and do that, more power to her. The wood part I thought was really interesting. When Iris says to Cindy that she comes here like one or two times a week because she just feels so fried. What in the world is she doing in life to feel fried? Dealing with Dylan? Okay, valid point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I there's no other answer. <laughs> Touche, touche. She's never been a mother, and suddenly she's a mother to a very stubborn 17-year-old. Stubborn and independent. Yeah. Who yeah. does not want to be mothered, but she's trying. That'll fry anybody. True. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So then over at the peach pit, we see Brenda and Dylan sitting there, and she's telling them that she's worried about him. And you've skipped school three days in a row. We have a trig test, first period tomorrow. And he's like, already? Oh, yeah. He's so out of it, he doesn't even realize that Mm-mm. they're at the point of the chapter to need a test. I think he's been checked out since the camping trip. Yeah, he honestly. started the school year camped out. Camped out? Checked, checked out. out. That one. Yep. That's <laughs> the word I'm looking for. That's the phrase. Even Nat notices yeah. that Dylan's off. And he mentions it to Brandon. At this point, they hadn't suspected Dylan was drinking again because Brandon was still not taking Dylan's funk at all seriously. Yeah, true. He still true. thought Dylan is perfectly fine. But when Nat even notices, how is Dylan okay? Like he doesn't You're look right. good. That's when Brandon, Brandon started going like, oh, maybe something is off with him. And then when yep. he Dylan storms out, he, he does. Well, he first before he storms out. Brenda gets him to, to say that he'll come over to her house at 8 p.m. that night to study, to study for the trig test. test tomorrow. She's, I'll help you get caught up. I'll help you get ready for it. Which is so sweet of her. Yeah. Yeah. And so he agrees to that, but then he just leaves. He just leaves. They had just gotten their food. Mm-hmm. And he just leaves. Yeah. Which, the like way he was like fidgeting, and like Luke Perry was a wonderful actor. But Fantastic. He, as, in almost every scene that Dylan is in, unless he's in the pool hall, he looks distracted, he's mm-hmm. fidgeting, he keeps checking the time, yeah. and all the things that you do when you're wanting to be somewhere else. Yeah. He wants to be drinking. And so his he's getting that itch and that urge of, like, I need a drink. Yeah, he's definitely that addict look about him. Yes. and But he does such a great job of... Bringing that out in Dylan's he character did. throughout the whole he episode. Did. Fantastic actor. Oh, yeah. So then we go over and we see more at the mind gym. And there's this conversation that happens between Iris and Cindy that was such a mom moment. Yeah. That Cindy is such... Oh, I love Cindy such a good so heart. much. I love her. She's the glue that holds everything together in this oh, entire yeah. show. <laughs> With everybody. For sure. Tell me the truth. Do your kids actually talk to you? (laughs) Brandon, Brandon? Most of the time I can't shut them up. Well, Dylan takes after his father. You know? Dylan's had a tough time with it lately. Well, I don't need to tell you. Maybe you do. You probably know him better than I do. No, I didn't mean that. No, I know, I know. I appreciate your friendship. You know, from what I remembered of Beverly Hills, I expected to be treated like a pariah for having walked out on my son. I'm not judging you, Iris. I know. But let me tell you, it's not what you think. No. 
can't erase the past. But maybe I can do something about the future. Okay, so much, so much wonderfulness there. Aww. You know, we have Iris, who's feeling badly and doesn't know how to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And is trying to express this to Cindy. Cindy, who knows Dylan better than Iris does. Yeah. And feels bad about that. Iris, who feels like everyone was going to judge her and look down on her for leaving her son. And then the wonderfulness of Cindy going, I'm not judging you, Iris. No. I wonder if after this scene ended, I wonder if she did end up explaining to Cindy why she... I hope so. We don't find out until later, but there's a reason why she Mm -hmm. left. Yeah, and we do learn that. We'll discuss that soon. But I would like to believe that she explained to Cindy everything. And Cindy just continued on with zero judgment because yeah. that's just who Cindy is. For sure. I love her so much. Yeah. She's, she's such one of a my good heart. F- oh, yeah. Like, if they <sighs> didn't have Cindy's character on this show, this would feel so much more like there wouldn't be nearly as much heart. It would be more just like drama. a typical soap opera drama. Yeah. Without as much heart and love and realness. Yeah. Cindy makes it feel real. Absolutely. I I just love Cindy. Me she's too. So great. So then we see Dylan back at that pool hall again, yep. and he's playing another guy pool for money. Fifty bucks a game. Dylan ends up winning five hundred dollars. Which go Dylan. And so this other guy just like I- I'm done. Just okay, checks out. Checks out. Here's my money, and he leaves. And then we just see Dylan just look, 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 look. This huge glass of beer. Yeah, huge mug. Just chugs it all down. And then he shows up to the Walsh's drunk. Really, really late. Way past 8 p.m. when he told Brenda he'd be there. And he he hasn't told her still why she was there. But when he kisses her on the cheek, she smells the alcohol on his breath. Mm-hmm. She calls him out on it. And then he goes straight for the Walsh's liquor cabinet. I could not believe that. How dare you, Dylan? You know better than that. Yeah, well... Obviously, he's been drinking out in public, so to him... He doesn't care. He's lost that ability to realize Mm -hmm. that something that he's doing is wrong, especially in that moment. And so when he takes a shot of something from their liquor cabinet, Brenda says, if you're going to drink, you get out of my house. And so he leaves. He's just like, fine. And he leaves. And he, he tries to guilt Brenda into feeling bad for calling him out and saying, I thought you were going to be there for me. Thanks for listening. And then storms out. Yeah. And I'm like... Dylan is spiraling big time. Big time. But now Brenda has something that she can tell Brandon that will help him take this seriously. I'm really glad she went straight upstairs and talked to Brandon immediately. Immediately. Again, one of those, we've said this so many times throughout the series, the twins have these heart-to-heart talks in each other's rooms. And that's... Usually sitting Ice cream on the bed. and sitting on the bed talking. Those two times in the Walsh house, that's when you know something's up. Oh, yeah. And so she goes straight to Brandon and she says, that was Dylan. And he kind of has that like, oh, that's weird. It's really late. And then she goes, he was drinking or he was drunk. He was drunk and he got into mom and dad's. And he got into mom and dad's liquor cabinet. And yeah. then you see the look on Brandon's face of, oh, oh no. Poop. Yes. My friend is struggling. And then Brenda's like, he's been clean for so long. Dylan's, when Brandon says, not, not exactly. Oh, 
Brenda, I'm surprised she didn't kill him, but she didn't. Uh, there was fire in her eyes. That look yeah. of, are you kidding me? Because Brandon says that it was just a couple of those little travel bottles. He really thought it was like a one-time fall-off-the-wagon like, moment. it's not that big a deal. And she's like, it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And she's right. It is. Yeah. I it mean, is. You can't take that stuff lightly. Nope. A slip-up becomes a major... Like, support your friend and help mm-hmm. them through that time kind of moment. Brandon and, should have come back and taken him to a meeting, called his sponsor something yeah. after the camping trip instead of just brushing or him under a Or at least rock. checked in with him and kept up with him himself. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, he didn't do that because he genuinely... He trusts his friend. He trusted his yeah. friend. And he felt like their conversation and there was positivity after it happened and Dylan regretted it. So he figured it's probably a one-time thing. Yeah, sorry, Brandon, not, not so much. No. So the next day at school, Dylan shows up drunk to school. Dr- at school? At school. And everyone He tries like, to kiss Brenda and she smells the alcohol in his breath again. And she's so disappointed. And then everyone else is almost kind of like, are you okay, man? We're here for you. They're trying to be supportive. And they're trying to tell Brenda he just needs to do this on his own. He needs to hit rock bottom on his own. She's like... No, I love him and I'm going to be there for him. Which I do think that that's actually the correct choice. I don't think leaving somebody to hit rock bottom is the correct Especially choice. Especially a teenager. Now, when Kelly was talking about her mom in this yes. scene, yes, it was right, Kelly, for you to leave your mom alone as because a grown adult and your parent. She needs to figure it out on her you own. You don't need to take care of her. But when it's a friend to a friend, like a friend your age. A peer. Or a, pe- a peer, yeah. Yeah. When it's a peer who is struggling. Mm-hmm. Sure, they need to make their own mistakes, and yes, they need to be the ones to choose to be better, but that doesn't mean you stop supporting them. But I loved, loved, loved that Brandon immediately jumped to action, and he followed Dylan out to his car. And took his keys. Yep. Can't let you drive, pal. I'm fine. Anywhere you want to go, I'll take you. I still want to scrape you off the telephone pole today, and it's just saying I got against it. Anywhere. Anywhere. Oh, Brandon, you're such a good guy. Oh, Brandon, but you shouldn't have said anywhere. I think that he just... Maybe he thought that he just needed to get it out of his system. Well, I'm actually thinking that he knew if he didn't take him anywhere, Dylan was going to go no matter what. Yeah. And he would rather be by his side to help save him. And make sure he didn't die. Literally die. Yeah. Versus, you know, letting him go off on his own and he may never see his friend alive again. Yeah. As he said, I don't want to scrape you off a telephone pole. So I understand why Brandon (laughs) felt he needed to say, I'll take you anywhere. But then Dylan immediately does the first thing that anybody who's testing boundaries will do. He's seeing... Is he telling the truth? Will he take me anywhere? And he takes him straight to the pool hall. And Brandon does. Yep. He stands there and he watches Dylan gamble away pool game after pool game, losing the 500 that he just won the day before. And even more. And lost another 300 beyond that. Yeah. So, and he didn't have that money. No, he lost $800 of his own money. Oh, I thought he he lost 800 total. And 500 of it was... No, no, because he paid him the 500. That was the money that he owed him. But then they continued playing. I thought they only continued playing up to a total of 800. Mm -mm. And then because he still owed the guy 800. If he won 500 from the guy, he paid him 500. 
but the guy said, you still, you owe me 800. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's how much Dylan Dylan was gambling. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. And he even said in a previous episode, he never gambled. Remember Mm -hmm. when they, the poker episode? Yep, the poker episode. He said, I've never gambled. I know myself. It will only lead me down a bad road. We see that. You are correct, Dylan. You should not be gambling, sir. And so come the end of the game, he can't pay up. Mm-hmm. And and so he tells the guy, the guy's like, I told you, I don't take IOUs. You play pool, you have cash in your pocket. And Dylan's like, well, I guess you just don't get paid then. And the one thing I thought was really telling was when Brandon asked Dylan at one point, you know, why don't you stop? You, you know, you're, you've already lost all that money. You, you don't have more money to lose. You just need to stop. What are you trying to do? And he's like, I'm going till I'm numb. And he specifically said, I'm going until I'm numb and I forget where I am. And I forget who, why I'm here, why I'm here. So Dylan got to the point where he was so drunk and lost so much money and could not pay this guy. What do they do? They're going to go beat him up in the alley outside. And they, they make Brandon come with and they hold, they hold him back to watch. Yeah. But not stop it. Nope. And so poor Brandon is standing there being held by two guys while Dylan is getting the crap beat out of him. Mm -hmm. And he's not making any kind of protest. It's almost like Dylan yep. wanted to get beat up. I got that feeling. So meanwhile, while this is all happening, over at the Walsh's, Iris is there stressing out. She got there at 10.30 p.m. is when we first see her, freaking out because Dylan's not home. He didn't come home at all last night. She's all worried. And well, at first she just says, like, he's not home yet. I Should I start calling the hospitals and the police? And Cindy's kind of like, chill out. Calm it's down. It's only 10.30. It's okay. And she goes... Brenda said that they were all going to the movies. He's probably with them. And she assumes Brandon is too. Yeah. So then... Brenda comes home. Without Brandon. And immediately both moms are like, is Brandon with you? Was Dylan with you? And she's like, no. Brandon left and he's with Dylan. And he's with Dylan. And And Cindy's like, as long as Brandon's with him, he's fine. Which I love that that's like a thing with Dylan. As long as... Dylan is with Brandon, Dylan is fine. Yep. And, like, generally, if Brandon is in a situation, most everybody in the show seems to be like, okay, Brandon's there, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> they won't die. <laughs> yep. If Brandon's there, he's fine. They even said that at the camping trip. Yep. Do you know what I find funny? Hmm. Relating this to a real-life thing, I heard your friend's parents say that to the kids and the kids to the parents about you oh, when really? you were a teenager. Really? I heard... I would, you know, be at school functions and stuff, and kids are like, oh, can I go do such and such? And their parents are like, no, no, no. Like, I'm going with Hannibal. Okay, you're fine then. <laughs> I was the... You were the Brandon of your bunch. I don't know if you knew that or not. I never knew that. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Huh. I, I heard that from quite a few different friends of yours that they they would cool. tell me like, yeah, I should have tell my parents that I'm going to your house. Yeah. And if they knew you were there and I was going to be there, like, oh yeah, it's fine. Other friends, not so much. Right. But you, you would keep them out of trouble. I'm glad that I was able to be that person because I think everybody, every friend group needs mm-hmm. a Brandon yep. and, or I guess a Hannibal. <laughs> that kind of, not parent friend, but almost that older sibling friend. Oh, who you were just, such the mom friend. I was we the mom friend. But every group needs that one person who's going to make sure that, okay, you guys are going to do some dumb things, but I'm going to make sure you live through it. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much is what you need. Yep, we all need that friend. Yeah. And that's Brandon. Exactly. 
So but Cindy is not worried, but Cindy's Iris... not worried. Iris is saying she can't handle being a mom. She just can't handle this. She just can't handle the stress. Brandon and Dylan arrive. Dylan's face is like all bruised up. They got the blood cleaned up, but you could see these bruises forming and swelling coming on. Oh, yeah. It's bad. Ooh. He yeah. and Iris start fighting right there it's in the Walsh in house. It's morning. Yeah. By the time they finally get there. But they're just standing in the Walsh house fighting. The Walshes are like, we're going to go to the living room. Come on, Cindy's like, everybody to the living room. Come no, on. to the kitchen. They all go to oh, the kitchen. Oh, to the kitchen. That's right. That's yes. right. They go to the kitchen. Well, Iris is like, I need a moment. I need to speak with my son. Which ooh. I was like, ooh, ooh, go Iris. She's being a mom. Ooh, and then Cindy immediately like, everybody, everybody in the kitchen. She even says it. It's not even like the subtle like, do we need to go grab something from the kitchen? I think there was no it. fake cover up. No Just subtlety. Go. Just get in the kitchen. Mm. <laughs> but in the middle of the fight, Dylan storms out. Without another word. He just leaves. Yep, he just leaves. And so we know that he's probably not as drunk as he had been because, you know, he has... Brandon sobered him up. Yeah, yeah. But also while they're in the kitchen, I don't know if this is in your clip that you took or not, but while they're in the kitchen, Jim tells Brenda, he says, these are issues that Dylan is having mm -hmm. are bigger than ones that we can solve. And she's trying to accuse him of not supporting Dylan like he promised he would. But then Jim says, no, it's not that. This is just something he has to do for himself. And until he figures out his life, I don't want you seeing him. And Brenda is surprisingly not mad about it. I think she kind of agrees. She knows that this is, Dylan needs to get his life together. And I think she listened to what Kelly was advising her too. She can't fix him. No, he needs to want to change. And she, that is correct. He needs to want to change. You can support somebody, but you cannot save nope. them. But poor Iris. I'm really glad, though, that she found Cindy. Me that too. they developed this friendship because she turns to Cindy and she doesn't know what to do. But hopefully Cindy can help her. Hopefully. Oh, this is ridiculous. I don't know how to be a mother. Iris, it's, it's not something you can figure out in, in just one month. I've been working at it full time for over 16 years. Oh. When Jack was arrested, I thought to myself, finally I get my son back, I thought. I'll just move right on him. Oh, God, what a fool. Oh, Iris, don't say that. He needs you whether he realizes it or not. Cindy, that is a beautiful platitude, but let's not kid ourselves. I walked out on my son. Hmm? Why should I expect him ever to forgive me for that? I don't even want to understand why. He's right. I don't deserve to be a part of his life. Oh, well, that just broke my heart. Oh, and what do you say to that? Even poor Cindy seems to be at a loss for words. Yeah, she's like, oh, goodness, how do I handle this? What do because, I say? honestly, that is a harsh truth that Iris is having to come to terms with. Mm -hmm. Is that, one, she does not know how to be a mom. Nope, she has she, no clue. She went straight from, once upon a time, I had a six-year-old, and now I have a 17-year-old. Who's been acting as an adult and taking care of himself. Maybe Quite not well. well all the time, but uh, he's been... Well enough. Well enough. He's survived until now. Mm -hmm. But pretty much he's been on his own for this long. She yeah. has no idea how to be a mother. Honestly, Dylan has this weird thing where it's like he doesn't know how to be a son. It's true. You know, it's because true. he's never had parents that truly cared for him. Mm -mm. He or hasn't. were there. And so Iris is having to come to this realization that maybe Dylan doesn't need her. Mm-hmm. And what do you do at that point? So that next day, she lets Dylan sleep in until noon. 
And then she makes some breakfast. She makes some breakfast at noon. Mm-hmm. And apparently at some point in the morning, probably knowing he was going to be sleeping off everything. Yeah. She took care of some things. Yes. And we learn a lot about her in this clip. It's I, a very long one. I tried to shrink out and cut out a lot of the long pauses throughout the conversations to make it not so long. But it's still over two minutes. But, but it's it, all necessary. It really tells us why she left and what her solution is going to be for Dylan's future. Yeah. Dylan, the things you said last night. I'm sorry. I was just a little out of it. But you were right. I thought I could come here, that, that I could make up for all those lost years. I can. So, so where does that leave us? Dylan, I'm here for you, but... You don't need a full-time mom any more than I know how to be one. You've been on your own for a while, and what Cindy Walsh tells me, you take pretty good care of yourself. Well, that's when you don't have a mother around to throw a wrench in the works. Maybe I didn't give you a chance. But the best thing that I can do for you is to give you your freedom. I'm going to go back to Hawaii. What? I know that some people may say that I'm copping out, that things got a little rough and I split, but the truth is, Dylan, I wasn't there for you 11 years ago when you really needed me, so I'm not going to pretend to be here for you now when you don't. When we split up, your father offered me a lot of money to keep out of your life. If I'd been stronger... I might have fought him harder and longer, and I might have won. But we'll never know. Because I gave up. I took his money. And I disappeared. But I promised myself that I would never, ever touch a penny of it. And I didn't. So. This belongs to you. A lot of money. Yeah. It's yours. I don't want it. I've asked Jim Walsh to set up a trust. That way you won't blow it all at once. Make a good life for yourself, baby. What about you? Oh, don't worry about me. I've got a tree house on a pineapple mountain, remember? Oh my goodness. Oh, so much to unpack there. So, to start with, while Dylan was sleeping that morning, she went to see Jim at Jim's office. Yes. Which and I thought was brilliantly smart of her. Yes. Because she goes and sets up the money that she never spent that his dad paid her. Okay, okay. Let's talk about that real quick. So basically, they separate. And this jerk of a man, Jack McKay. I have so many words that I would say to Jack McKay if he was a real human. You will meet him before many episodes are through. Well, we met him once and I didn't like him. You'll meet him more. Unfortunate. So. He pays off Dylan's mom. A decent chunk of money from the sound of it. From the sound of it, it's like money to set you up for life. To to never be in your son's life again. Here's money if you walk away. And never come back. It had to be in the six digit. I'm thinking six digits. It had to be. Had to be. I mean, the kind of money that he made. 
And to make a mom really walk away from her child and to make them go, I'll take this money and I'll never speak to my child again. And she didn't fight it. Nope. She didn't try to fight it in court because if he, she'd fought that in court, the courts would have given Dylan to her. Yep. Honestly. Yep. Especially back in that time, mothers got custody of mm-hmm. children more often than anything. So he had to write her a dang big check. And she to never make her... spent a penny of it? So she's probably had it sitting in an account. In a savings account, probably. Yeah, probably earning extra money on it. Mm-hmm. So she just gave this money to Dylan. In a trust. In a trust, so he doesn't blow it all at once. Which, and then he kind of chuckles about that. Yeah. And that seemed, he almost seemed more relieved to take Mm -hmm. it at that point. Because I think he knew if he took a giant chunk of money all at once as a teenager with gambling and drinking problems. It'd be gone. It'd be gone and he'd probably be dead. Mm -hmm. He'd have to deal with that issue. And she says that she's going to go back to Hawaii. Do you remember right after his dad went to jail? And there was that episode where he was sitting there in Jim's office talking to him. And Jim asked him, is there any money? There's got to be some money that's set up for you. You know, There's got to be something. Somebody's, your parents had to have planned for your future somehow. And he's and like, poor Dylan's nope. like, nope, there's nothing. But look at this. Now, it's not just mm-hmm. his mom or his dad throwing money at him, which he'd mentioned one time that that's how she expresses love and how he was always bitter about that, that she only ever just sent money. But yeah. what I wonder now is anytime she sent Dylan money, I wonder was it if really it was dad's money. I wonder if it was mm-hmm. really from that fund. I wonder. I but she this isn't just throwing money at him. Nope. This is and I'm guessing Setting in that same up. envelope was eman- emancipation papers. Yep. Because I think that's what she did as well. Yep, because we learn about that in a few minutes here. Yes. So before we learn about that real quick, yes, Iris and Dylan stop at the Walsh's to say goodbye on their way to the airport because she's going back to Hawaii. Yeah, she's going to she leave gives Dylan. gives Cindy a big hug, mm. thanking her for her friendship. and Thanking all of them all for of what them. they did. She, she and Brenda have a moment and they talk about how he's not an easy guy to love, is he? And Brenda's like, but we both do, don't we? And Iris seems almost shocked that it was a we and not an I. And that was really sweet. That was really sweet. And then she turns to Jim and Cindy and says, please take care of my son. Yep. And Cindy vows that they will. She Mm -hmm. says, we absolutely will. Basically, it's this acknowledgement of her place is not presently in Dylan's life. Yep. But she wants to build a relationship with him. I loved that. She wants to to build that. She wants to build it on something real and move forward. Mm-hmm. And hope, she even says it to Dylan that hopefully oh. maybe one day you'll want to call me mom instead of Iris. Because Dylan never calls her mom. Nope, he calls her Iris all the time. I almost got really teary-eyed at that. I tried oh really hard goodness. to hold it back. While the Walshes and Iris are all in there talking, Brandon slips out. To go have a little chat with Dylan of his own. How you doing, pal? Okay, I guess. I can't believe she's leaving. I couldn't put up with her, but I don't really want to be alone again either. Yeah, well, you're not alone. I'm what they call an emancipated minor. Listen, when you get back from the airport, give me a call. Someplace we gotta go. Yeah, I know. Falcon. After that. Where? Someplace you took me when I needed a friend. 
episode ends really is brandon is... taking him to an aa meeting just like he did back when mm-hmm. brandon crashed mondale yep and yeah. i think that is such a that's a good friend right there yep a good friend is somebody who will not only tag along with you when you are making dumb decisions but to will keep also you alive. <laughs> to keep you alive but will then take you to an aa meeting to remind you you need to fix some things and I think this really taught Brandon a big lesson, too, that I think was important. That if he sees Dylan with a couple little airplane bottles of alcohol, it's don't not... just brush it off. You take that boy to a meeting. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think up until this episode, Brandon fully and truly understood Dylan's level of alcoholism. Because he'd never, he'd never seen Mm-mm. it. Dylan had been living sober. sober and living a good life and being clean. And, for so long. And he was the friend who taught Brandon. He's like, took you to a meeting and, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't drink and all of that stuff. He always kind of seemed very level-headed. So I think it was a good reminder for Brandon that you should check in on your friends who are struggling. Absolutely. And I think that's a beautiful way to end part one. I think so. Let's take our break. You have some bunch of crunch to eat. Yes. I bought her Buncher Crunch, and I will not mm. allow her to eat it until we're on break. Yeah. We'll be right back when Hannibal has had some Buncher Crunch. Yes. <laughs> All right, we are back from break. We're back. As, um, hmm. I'll probably put you struggling. To open the box. To open your Buncher oh, Crunch no. box as our cold open. So everyone will know I can't handle cardboard boxes so i'm a barbarian and i just open it from the top but there's a little punch out spot that you can like pour it properly out of the side of the little box she can never get the punch out spots done so i just open them from the top my ocd is driving me insane knowing that that isn't punched out and it instead opened from the top but you get the bunch of crunch that's true i did so who cares yeah, but I, I struggle to open things a lot. And so, <laughs> thankfully, Tyler is really good at opening things. Oh, he's a keeper. <laughs> I, I know. that guy. I'd never be able to open a jelly jar again. If, <laughs> like, if I didn't have Tyler, I wouldn't be able to open jars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. I'm a weakling. So there's this, speaking of opening lids, that's very difficult. <laughs> I, I, we'll get back on topic soon, I promise. <laughs> So I got at Walmart this lid that goes on like a mason jar. Okay. That has like a slidey toppy thingy so you can drink out of it but oh, then slide okay. it closed. So it makes, turns your mason jar into a glass. It's wonderful, oh, right? Fancy. They are horrible to get open. Really? It goes on and it's like, ooh, it's perfect, nice, tight fit. You can. It's not going to leak or spill or anything. Which is great. Yeah. You don't want to sneak on you when you're drinking out of it, right? Right. right? Then you go to take it off and it's like, hee! I'm like standing in the kitchen struggling. <laughs> Your sister walks in and I'm just like, I just want to refill the my glass. you just made. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. You're welcome. <laughs> but your sister will walk in and she's like, my face is beet red. I'm like using every bit of effort possible. <laughs> I can hardly get them open. <laughs> I'm like, okay, there's got to be a happy medium here. 
Okay. So we've had our laugh at mom's expense that, see, you're not the only one who can't open things. It's okay. You, it's, it's not true struggle until you can't handle like normal, like plastic packaging that has a tear spot. Like me opening a package of pre-shredded cheese. You're never allowed to open trees in my house. She opens it and you can, it has this nice little resealable zipper thingy on it. It doesn't tear right for me ever. It doesn't. She tears it to the point where you can never okay, rezip it again. I've tried doing it slowly. I've tried doing it fast. I've tried every possible way of opening cheese bags possible. Okay, one more funny story. Okay. I gotta tell you this before we get really, actually, truly into part B here. <laughs> Perfect. So the other day, your sister and I were sitting in the living room, and she's just like, I want chips. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't have any chips. We ate our little mini bags that we took on our trip with us. There are no more chips left. She gets up and she walks out the front door. I'm sitting here thinking, oh no. She oh, has them in the oh car, no. doesn't she? She comes back in with a gallon-sized Ziploc of Doritos. <laughs> and I look at her and I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. Did what? you just walk to your car and just get a Ziploc bag of Doritos? Yep. Why aren't they in a bag, like the original bag? Apparently, Daniel bought her a bag of Doritos, and they were at his apartment. Okay. She opened it like a barbarian. A typical and Abigail. Hoard on the side, and so he had to get her a gallon-sized Ziploc. And she forgot she had them in her car. So your sister just randomly, I want chips, just gets up and leaves the house. Did she even I have shoes on? No. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like an Abigail kind of thing to do. On that note, let's go talk about more crazy people. Part B yes. is all about Steve and Donna's stuff. Their adventure into investing in the stock market. Hilarious. Oh, it's, it's a so very funny. small segment. So we'll be done with this pretty quick, but it was just it's I love Donna more after this than ever before. I love Donna. I already so love Donna. I connect with her so much and I really just love her. Right? Oh, yeah. So it starts off at the intro to economics class, and the kids are playing these fake stocks, and the teacher's passing stuff back out about, you know, you're, you're doing these fake portfolios about real stocks, basically, I think is what it was. Something like that, where it's like... If you had actually bought this on the stock market, you would have made money, you would have lost money, and you're kind of trying to give the kids an intro on how these kind of things work, which totally I thought was sense. brilliant. I think that's really cool, especially for that kind of a class. Yeah. I think that's really applicable. But then he says that Donna has a real knack for it. More than anybody else in the class. Yeah, so and far. she's sitting like, ooh, puffed all up, all she's proud of herself. Like, ooh, I'm good at something. And she's so proud of herself. She's so proud of herself. I just loved it. And then of course the bell rings and so Steve goes out chasing the group down and guys, 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 guys. He wants to invest for real. We should all put our money together. And Kelly and David are both like, no. No, Just David no. is saying that my dad lost his shirt in the stock market crash of 87 and I like, I like my, my shirt. shirt. <laughs> and then he just walks away with that, basically saying like, I've been taught don't do that because it's a bad idea. Yup. Kelly even says like that she's not going to throw all of her money away by doing that. Steve then talks to Donna and he does convince her that... Well, since... at first Donna was still on the fence. Yes. Until Kelly says, Donna, don't be stupid. And Donna, like, it looks like she gets just, like, triggered by that word. Which, understandable. Yeah, me too. Mood. Same. Yeah. 
I don't think anybody should ever be called stupid. Mm-mm. Especially for, like, not knowing something or not being good at whatever it is. Nobody is stupid for that. But Kelly uses that word, and Donna kind of gets this face like, I'm, I'm going I'm to do it anyway, mm-hmm. just because you do said it. that. So, before we move on to the rest of this, I do have a question about what you think of something. Okay. We know David's a sophomore. The others are all juniors. Right. Why is David seeming to be in more and more of the same classes as them, do you think? I think because cool. they're trying to find more ways to keep him on screen and to bring him into plots, but it's hard to do that during the school year because a lot of their stuff centers around classes and what they're doing and their class periods and the classes they have together. And it would make sense for him to be in some of the same classes. Now, we, when the first time we met Dylan, he was in some classes that the others weren't in that were like the next year. He was like taking more advanced classes. I think that might be what they're doing with David's character is the same thing that they did with Dylan. And it's sort of like the opposite reason. Like in season one, it was because they needed to have an excuse of why Dylan wasn't in all of their classes because he's in the same grade. Now it's why is David suddenly in some of their classes? Oh, because he's taking more advanced classes. I I knew the reason and actually know even more deeper the reason because I have seen ahead actually. Oh, even recently. I admitted this to Hannibal earlier. I've been binging, guys. I've already seen the entire series, so me binging ahead isn't that big of a deal. No. But Abigail and I started watching a couple episodes. And now you're in season three? I forgot how great it is. I'm sorry. We just couldn't stop. So do you have any predictions about David at this point? What do you mean about David? I mean, just the fact that we're seeing him in more of the same classes as them, and he's starting to get more involved with them. I think we're going to see a David-centric like, entirely David-centric episode pretty soon. Okay. And something about that episode will be, like, like big character moment kind of thing for him. Just that, kind of like this episode was for Dylan. That, like, yeah. something big happens in his life. And it's sort of the episode showing how does that affect his character moving forward. Cool. I don't know what that's going to be about. I'm terrified it's going to have to do with Scott... But I don't know. All right. I have no idea what's going to be going on with David. Interesting. I have zero predictions. Okay. As far as specifics. I just know as, a, as season one was coming to an end, you really started having like, you wanted to see David more and more. See what's weird And now weird that they're starting to bring him in, it's really interesting to see how. See what's weird is that they're bringing him in in very unimportant scenes. Yeah. Just like. The group is all together, and he makes a funny comment about the It's almost like they're just getting us used to seeing him there. Yeah. Getting used to the fact that he's just there. He's a part of the group. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just that we're getting used to seeing him around, but now they're going to be building up to giving him some character growth. Awesome. Because at this point, his character hasn't really changed much. No, it really hasn't. He hasn't had a character growth episode. All right. Neither has Steve, really. No, he hasn't in a while. No, not in a while. Yep. Not since that one guest speaker who had AIDS a while back. I remember that. that. Was, wow. That was the closest thing to a character yeah. growth that Steve has had. Well, now we get to see some Donna character growth even yes. more. Yes. So they're at the bank. It's Kelly and Donna are there. And Donna's taking out all of her money. She's closing her account to buy stocks with Steve. $1,331.14. Which is not what the actress playing the bank teller puts on the counter. 
Nope. Well, we don't see what the teller puts on the counter, but when Kelly says, um, cause she tries to talk Donna out of it at first. And the more she tries to talk her out of it, the more Donna is just dead set. I'm doing this. Because she's also continuing to use phrases like, don't be stupid. This is a dumb idea. Mm-hmm. This is going to end badly. It's not a good way to go about it, Kelly. No, it's really not. But then when Kelly, when Donna gets the money and Kelly says, you might as well give me that 14 cents because that's all you're going to have left after you lose it all in this. And Donna sets the change that the lady apparently just gave her on the counter. It's 12 cents. It's 12 cents. It's a dime and two pennies. That's not 14 cents, people. You can't... Three coins can never make 14 cents. No. That's that's not possible. I've taught my kindergartners how to differentiate between coins. What happened? Why couldn't they... I'm sorry. Okay. 90210 creators, I know the chances of you hearing this are extremely slim. But if you ever do hear this, guys, on future shows that you ever create, any future shows that you ever create... Please, if they say 14 cents and there's going to be a part where the character sets the money down that actually is seen, make sure it's actually 14 cents. Please, it drives show nerds like me who notice (sighs) continuity issues go, ah, that's not 14 cents, that's 12. But anywho. It drove your sister bananas. She saw that and... Okay, as somebody who's into, she's majoring, she's actually a double major. I don't know if you knew this or not about your sister. She's double majoring She's double majoring. Yeah, she's theater performance and her, and her, she, it's not a minor. Her second major is technical productions. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So when it comes to stuff like this, it really catches her attention. Yeah. And she almost wanted to cry. She was like, turn it off. I'm done. Like, <laughs> nope, we're going to keep watching it. Thank you very much. All right, so carrying on, we're yes. over the peach pit and we see Steve and Donna come in. And Steve's like acting like they're rich in some fancy restaurant, trying to pretend like they're ordering and bring the most... a bottle of champagne. Yeah. He's ordering all these weird, fancy sounding Caviar things. and all this. I mean, Donna's just sitting there like, <laughs> just, she's so She almost cute. seems uncomfortable, though. She seems kind of like, okay, chill out. It's fine. I don't know. I thought she looked kind of like... Yeah, this is cool. Almost like embarrassed, but like excited. Yeah. Embarrassed, but excited, I think is yeah. perfect. That's how I felt she yeah. looked. Yeah, and that's like, what is with you two? So as Donna and Steve are talking, though, she's telling Steve that she wants to sell while they're ahead. Which is very smart. Yeah, but Steve's like, nope, I want to hold. We need to hold. It's the, We're not going to sell yet. That's what they want us to do. And Don't be stupid. Yep, he calls her stupid again. And, ooh, uh, that's like a theme of this part B. Oh, yeah. And even to um, Nat, he goes like, she may look like a dumb blonde, but really, oh. she's got a knack for it. And meanwhile, Nat does not look like he likes the fact that Steve just called her a dumb blonde. No, it, it's just and was very upsetting. And is immediately upset. Understandable. Yep. yep. So then the next day at school... They're in the class again, and Donna's saying again how much she wants to sell. It they tripled their money. They tripled their money. Mm-hmm. And the teacher is even talking about, let's discuss in, you know, different situations. Would you, you know, would you sell or should you stay in? Yeah. And the teacher makes a, a quotes the old country song. You got to know when to fold them and know when to hold them. Or... Know when to hold them and know when to fold them. There you go. Yes. Great song. You know, Steve tell, tells her again, don't be stupid. We're not selling. And Donna gets this oh, look on her she face. She's so mad. So the bell rings and they have a little chitty chat. Yeah. 
You're wimping out on me. I am not. I'm taking a profit, an honest profit. That's yeah. the way of the game. Well, Bernie says hold out. He says the major players are trying to scare out the little people like us, and they're going to push it through the roof. You called Bernie? Yeah, I spoke to Bernie. And frankly, when Bernie Goldfinger talks, I listen to yeah, What if he's wrong? <sighs> Don't be stupid. Bernie's an expert. We're not selling. When he says, don't be stupid, yeah, that look on Donna's face like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, and also, he brings up that Bernie's an expert. He was literally just the day before telling Donna that you're an expert. You're a genius. Yeah, Steve's oh, not Steve. the most reliable of people around. I can't wait until his character grows some more. It happens. Oh, good. It does. It, it's still a little while, but it happens. Okay. Because I'm, I'm, like, starting to get, like, Steve, stop being a jerk. <laughs> no, you're going to... There, there's going to come a time before long you're going to love Steve. Okay. Yeah. Anywho. Hmm. So, the end of their storyline is, again, the next, next day at school. And Steve pulls up, and he is freaking out. The company that they invested in, it burned to the ground... And Donna's like, I told you so. And I just, I love how confident Donna is in this. Oh, yeah. I did pull this one as a clip because oh, of the thank fact. Oh, goodness. I just love the strength and confidence coming out of Donna in this. Oh, it's amazing. Hey. Hey. Did you see this? Did you see this? What? Well, that wonderful company you picked for us to invest our life savings in is having a little problem. Oh, what's wrong? Well, it says that L.A. Sharp Shoe Factory in Korea burned to the ground. We're going to lose everything. Why do I ever listen to you and your stupid ideas? Well, maybe you should have listened to me. What's that supposed to mean? Because I told you we should have sold, but no, you had to go and be greedy, Mr. Big Shot. So say it. I told you so. I told you so. Great. 2020 hindsight. Well, uh, it's, uh, it's not exactly hindsight. What's that mean? I sold... What? Yeah, yesterday, right after you called me a stupid wimp, right? You did not. I did, and I made a lot of money, and I'm not stupid, and don't either of you ever call me stupid again. Thank you. Well, I think we ought to get her to pick us another stock. What do you say, Carol? I'm in. I am so proud of Donna. Me too. Good for her. What and a girl. Not only did she call Steve out for calling her stupid, but she called Kelly out yep. too. Don't you, either of you two, ever call me stupid again. I'm like, thank good for you. you. I loved her cute little thank, thank you. you. And, and she then just, she just marches off. I was so proud of her. Oh my and goodness. I loved, is it really bad of me that I loved that Steve lost money and Donna didn't? Oh, I love that Steve sold lost hers. money. Donna made money. She tripled her money. Mm -hmm. But Steve, oops, sucks to be you, buddy. Oops. Which, if she tripled her money and she started with, like, what was it, 1300 something? I have it right here. Give me a moment. I wrote it uh -huh. down for a reason. Oh, you did. <laughs> I did. I did. Yes. And then I'm going to pull out my calculator. See, how much money did Donna make? Roughly. Well, we're not going to count the 14 cents because we know she doesn't have that anymore. Right. She gave that to $1,331. And if we three. just straight times that by three... She's got, like, almost $4,000. Yep. Good for her. Good for her. She just, like, tripled her money. I'm so proud she's of She's got even more money that she's probably going to smartly stick back in the bank. Yep. She'll probably invest some of it, but the rest of it will go in the bank. She'll probably, yeah, she'll probably invest a portion of it into a different stock. Yeah. Because she's got a knack for it, and why not? Right? So, 
I loved the character growth for Donna in this one. And for Dylan. And for Dylan. I think it was it was a really great episode all around mm-hmm. for even our characters who weren't in the spotlight. Yeah. I mean, like, we didn't see much of Andrea or David, really. But, I mean, we got to see some more moments of Kelly being really more soft and a bit more just supporting and not But she so... had to learn how to get there. But she had to learn how to get there mm-hmm. throughout the episode. She wasn't doing that quite so well with Donna. But generally, she's starting to morph into this more gentle, quieter yes. kind of character. Agreed. And I really, Agreed. really love it. And we got to see Dylan and even Iris had some growth, even though we only saw her for this one yeah. episode. And we really got to see all of the characters kind of come out the other end of all of these struggles or trials and stuff and still, like, come out on top. And it's really cool to see. How many peaches did you give this one? I gave this one eight peaches because I really, really enjoyed how they grew the characters, like I was saying. And I honestly, it still felt really light and fun despite, like, seeing what Dylan was dealing Mm -hmm. with. It still felt really fun and the Donna stuff was great. <laughs> I loved seeing her sass back at Steve and Kelly and stand up for herself for once. I think that's really cool to see because normally Donna kind of just sort of sits in the background and doesn't really speak up for herself. Or like I was reminded of the red dress and how she she couldn't sit down the entire night when she didn't ask anybody really specifically to like, hey, help me sit down. I want to sit. Whereas her personality now, she probably would. But I, so I gave this one eight peaches. Me what too. About, really? Yep. I also have eight peaches. We're back to rating things exactly the same again. <laughs> and I know last week it was an eight and a half. I felt this was a really good episode, but it didn't kind of have that little extra oomph yeah. of like, wow. Yeah. It was a really good episode, but it wasn't like knock me out of my seat episode. Right. I still, I really enjoyed it, but I don't think I could have given it any higher than an eight. But I also, I really wouldn't have given it anything lower. No, because I actually really liked the episode. It was really good. And I I was really amused by all of Iris's... Me too. Like, all of her weirdness too, honestly, I thought brought some fun interestingness to, like, for Cindy to get involved with too. Yeah, it was a really fun episode. It had a lot of really great elements of growth in our characters. Oh, yeah. And I feel like we've all, we almost kind of have seen Dylan come full circle yeah. with his character growth. Because at the beginning of summer, he went from, he was on his own, mm-hmm. and he was living on his own and doing his thing perfectly fine, and then his dad got arrested. And that kind of triggered Oof. this whole big spiral. Yep. And at yep. first, it was a really slow spiral, so we got to kind of see how he was not doing well and continuing to not do well. Yeah. And now we see him back at the other end, back living on his own, but in a better way. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Emotionally and financially better. Yes. And he's got the love and support of his mom behind him, even though she's not going to be physically present because that's not what he needs. Nope. It isn't. He has Cindy if he needs a mom. Exactly. But Iris is going to be there for him in any way that he's willing to let her be. Absolutely. I think that's really cool. Hey, Hannibal. Are you ready for a teaser clip for next week's episode? Yes. As she's like jumping up and down and shaking the futon. Yes. So next week's episode is called Leading from the Heart. Okay. It's very interesting. So then it was time for Parallel Park. And in that brief moment, my entire future life without a license flashed before me. And it was horrible. And I knew I could not and would not fail. Ah, that's great, sweetheart. And Friday, I'm going to make a big dinner. We'll have all your friends over to celebrate. 
Thanks, Mom. Now, one question still remains. Dad, since you did help Brandon buy his car, I assume that we're going to share it. Survey says... Sorry, Brenda, the correct answer is Dad did not help me buy my car. He merely helped me repair it. Brandon, I can't totally be without wheels. I'll get it. So Brenda's finally going to get her license? Yes, ma'am. Fourth time's the charm. She is a licensed driver as of next episode. Ooh, go Brenda. Things are changing. Ooh. I cannot wait to watch this one with you. Hopefully we get to watch it together. And on that note, we'll see you guys <laughs> all next week right here on Back, Back to, to the Peach Pit. Pit. Thanks to Pixabay.com for their royalty-free music where we found our theme song by the Caffeine Creek Band. Hey guys, wanted to take a minute and remind you where you can find us online. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, we are Back to the Peach Pit. We also have that Patreon we've mentioned before, patreon.com slash back to the Peach Pit. We also ask that if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. Your reviews help other listeners find us, and we would really appreciate that. We look forward to hearing your thoughts about this week's episode.